What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of Historically Athletic. This is CY, the guy I'm here with, Big J. Uh, just wanted to give you guys a quick heads up. Uh, Big J's allergies have been bugging him just a hair, so if he sounded a little froggy, just uh, bear with us. Uh, a little I pr- froggy. <laughs> I promise it'll be entertaining, just like it always is. This is going to be an interesting week. You know, there's a there's a fairly big game on Sunday night in Foxborough uh, between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots. Uh, Big J loves talking about that goat, Tom Brady. It's sarcasm uh, if you guys don't hear it in his voice. It's total sarcasm. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, having Brady go back to Foxborough and Gronk, if he's able to play, of course, going back to Foxborough is a big storyline. One of the most anticipated regular season games in really recent memory, at least from what I've seen on, from a hype standpoint. I think the one that comes to mind is probably the Rams-Chiefs game from a couple years back, the 54-51 Monday night game, I think it was. Yeah, yeah that was a great that game. Was that was insane. I, I haven't seen hype for a regular season game like that since. So it's going to be interesting to see how things play out. But the whole point of bringing that up is we wanted to do a deep dive on the evolution of uh, TB12, a.k.a. Tom Brady, a.k.a. the GOAT, a.k.a part of that axis, if you will, of the Brady-Belichick-era dynasty in New England. Well, yeah, the, the tides might be shifting. I you know, I always gave the credit to Belichick for the, all those years, but the one thing that you can uh, label Tom Brady is that he's a winner. He's a leader, he's a winner, and he's going to change whatever situation, whatever environment he goes to. He's definitely going to change that environment. There's no question. I mean, you, you have to give the guy his credit, and it's just it's funny because I remember – uh, when we had PlayStations back in the late 90s and I started playing NCAA football video games, you know, right, when, right after Ricky Williams won the Heisman at Texas, and Brady was in those games with Drew Henson, and that was the quarterback that he was battling at Michigan. And that's kind of where we'll, I guess, dive into this in terms of, you know, where things are. We're going to kind of give you a background about Tom's origin, you know, his college years, and then kind of give you a kind of a brief synopsis of his entire NFL career, the highs and the lows, Quite frankly, there's a lot of consistent highs, and you'll kind of see that with the information that we're gonna we're gonna spit out at you. So Tom is a Californian, you know, born in San Mateo, uh, in between uh, San Francisco and uh, San Jose in uh, 1977. He's the only son, and he's the youngest kid in his family. So uh, first time he's actually had youngest described to about him in a while, I'd imagine. <laughs> <laughs> he has three sisters: Nancy, Julie, and Maureen. Uh, very. 70s and 60s names. (laughs) Right. And all fairly athletic. I remember I know one of his sisters uh, was a very good college athlete. Interesting. So one of the things that was interesting about this is, you know, when Tom was growing up, of course, he's in the Bay Area. Uh, He regularly watched the 1980s 49ers dynasty as it was developing um, with Bill Walsh and Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Dwight Clark, Roger Craig, Ronnie Lott. I mean, we could go go on on and on on about the 80s Niners. I'm, I'm looking forward to whenever we do an episode kind of recapping one of their Super Bowl seasons or something of that ilk. But Tom actually went to the 1981 NFC Championship game uh, where uh, San Francisco beat Dallas on the Dwight Clark catch in the back of that end zone, um, which is crazy because Everson Walls was on that team for the Cowboys, and he was just talking about Trayvon Diggs in the paper earlier this week in the Dallas Morning News about you know how Trayvon's kind of coming into his own after that pick six against the Eagles and all that. So just interesting little tie-ins there. But Tom went to Juniper Sarah High School, and it's the same high school that Barry Bonds of MLB fame and Lynn Swan of 1970s Steelers, Steelers fame as a wideout, uh, both went to the same high school as Tom Brady. And he ascended to the starting quarterback role in high school when the original quarterback that was starting for his high school team got hurt. 
you'll see a little bit of a pattern pattern in that in his mm-hmm. NFL career as well. Yep. And funnily enough, you know, he was drafted. Uh, Brady was drafted in the 18th round of the uh, Major League Baseball draft by the Montreal Expos, now the Washington Nationals. And he was considered a great catcher prospect. Uh, so he had a choice between, you know, going and playing big time collegiate football or uh, or going into the MLB draft. Of course, he decided to go the collegiate route and he committed to play for the University of Michigan and coach Lloyd Carr. Could you imagine if you would have chose baseball over football? Like the destiny, the lineup of the next 20 years would be changed forever in the NFL. Let's just say that it would be really cool if the NFL ever decided to do a what if thing, uh, <laughs> like a big cartoon about how. Oh, wait, Marvel's already doing something like that. Oh, but Lord. in all seriousness, it would be kind of neat to see how history would divert. It's just that one choice could just change so, so many much. different things about life as we know it and sports history New as England we know Patriot it. fans, for sure. Would the Patriots have stayed in New England if he didn't yeah, show up? Yeah, would well, they have ever won a, gotten, won a Super Bowl? Huh? I don't know. They might be the Boston Patriots right now, for all we know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So, of course, um, he goes to play at Michigan from 1995 to 1999 for Lloyd Carr. Um, originally, he was one of the backups for Brian Greasy, and you rec- will probably recognize that name because the Greasy name has got a pretty large history um, in football. Uh, Brian Greasy won a national championship in 1997 as the starting quarterback for Michigan. His dad, Bob Greasy, was the starting quarterback for the 1972 undefeated Dolphins. Only undefeated team in NFL history. To win a Super Bowl. To make it all the way through. You're right. Yes. And funnily enough, the one of the funnier things that I can think of about Bob Greasy is I actually saw him for the first time on a Cowboys highlight video. Because he was the one that got sacked by Bob Lilly in the Super Bowl in 1971 for like a 30-yard loss because he just kept <laughs> running back and forth and back and forth. And Bob Lilly ended up uh, a star defensive tackle for the Cowboys in that era, uh, ended up taking him down, and that was the first Cowboys Super Bowl win. So just interesting how all all these things kind of tie. And going um, back going back to Michigan, you know, um, like you said, he backed up Brian Greasy, but he also started out as the seventh quarterback on that depth chart. Eventually started, you know, getting gaining relevance, getting his way up the the, the depth chart mm-hmm. and battled Drew Henson for his, the starting job. And I believe like it was a good sharing time capsule that they had for a full season. To a certain extent. Um, so 1998 was going to be the year that um, that Brady really kind of got a run in. But 1999, his senior year, weirdly enough, was the year where there was a bit of a platoon at times. Like through the first five games of the season, Lloyd Carr would alternate the quarterbacks in the first quarter into the second quarter. And then in the second half, Coach Carr would decide who he would start in the second half based on those results. So kind of similar to what uh, Tom Landry did with uh, Craig Morton and Roger Staubach in the early 70s. It was really yeah. strange. It's like it's like how a, how a, how a baseball coach uses pitchers in his bullpen. And then you'll, that's, you'll that just doesn't that. let you get a rhythm. Yeah, you'll see that from time to time, though, with some of these new young quarterbacks that are coming in. You know, it doesn't happen every year, but it does happen every couple of years where you see these – Game time decisions at quarterback starting uh, starting roles. It's strange, but at the same time, I mean, I can understand like bringing in like a Trey Lance or bringing in a Justin Fields, like to add that rushing threat or something of that ilk. But you got to be able to build up a rhythm. You got to be able to get a feel for where the defense is rolling their coverages, where the defensive line is getting pushed, where the linebackers are kind of spreading out to cover certain parts of the I, field. I definitely agree with that because that's the whole main thing as a quarterback. It's all about the rhythm, you know. But again, that's also showing you the way that the game has changed over the years. That's very true. But the good thing is, is you know, Brady won the Citrus Bowl forty-five thirty-one over Arkansas in '98 in his first full year as a starter, and then in his senior year. 
after you know really gaining the trust of his coach and holding off the challenge of Drew Henson, uh, they won the Orange Bowl over Alabama, 35-34 in overtime. And he and threw for almost 375 yards. He threw for 369 and four TDs. Led the team back from a pair of 14-point deficits in that game alone. Ended up having a 20-5 and overall record as a Michigan Wolverine starter. And ended up having 5,351 yards passing and a 62.3% completion percentage for 35 total touchdown passes. So the guy was a solid, solid collegiate quarterback, but... Also not exactly one that you saw high on the NFL draft boards going into the 2000 draft. I think you had a couple of details on that you wanted to kind of mention. Yeah, you know, it was, it was fun researching the topic for this because uh, I went back through some archives. And as a matter of fact, on the New England Patriots website themselves, thepatriots.com, they have the draft bio uh, done by the uh, scouts over in New England at that time. As a matter of fact, it still shows that the last updated time this article was written was April 16, 2000. And uh, they go through a couple notes down here talking about Tom Brady, just like we did, you know, talking about how he did uh, was drafted by the Montreal Expo- Expos and um, opted for football. He redshirted at Michigan 95. Um, so forth and so on. But the main thing with him is I want to go over some of the positives and the negatives that the scouting report gave on this. We all know, you know, the, the big negatives based on the stories that you hear, but the positives is they gave him good height to see the field. He's a very poised, um, and composed, smart and alert player. He can read coverages. They got him as a good accuracy and touch and produces big spot, big and uh, big games, which they they hit that right on the head. Yes. You know, the funny thing is, is they actually compare his comparison as far as a quarterback is to Brian Greasy. The guy that he backed up at Michigan before he took his job. And Greasy played for the Broncos for a little while um, Leading, when he finished yeah. up. Yeah. You know. And uh, but the the obviously the the most negative thing that the scouts had to say is all about his build, right? You know, we we always expect the quarterback to be this tall, you know, very strong armed, very poised uh, player playing back there in the pocket type system. Their negatives was poor build, very skinny and narrow. He ended the ninety nine season weighing one hundred ninety five pounds and still looks like a rail at two eleven is what they quoted. Um, they said he can get pushed down a little bit more easier than you like, lacks mobility and uh, ability to avoid the rush, which obviously we also sort of know. The main point of this that I want to give out is the summary that they did overall. They said he's not really what you're looking for in terms of physical stature, strength, arm strength, or mobility, but he has the intangibles, the production, and shows great greasy-like improvement in his senior year at Michigan. He could make it in the right system, but will not be for everyone. That's pretty dead on. Pretty dead on, you know. You but know. he's a leader. But that's the thing is that you know, I wrote down here on my little notes. I said 10 Super Bowl appearances and seven titles later. <laughs> you know, you can add that little dot, dot, dot to the end of that summary. So well, Lord knows he's not done. So just, you know, just never judge a book by its cover. You know, they come out, they're not looking the greatest. Like they would do too much for you coming out of the NFL draft. And it, it's amazing what he, he has done with his career. It really is. I mean, just to see the longevity and just to kind of see how things have developed, of course, he ended up getting drafted in the sixth round, you know, the infamous pick 199 of the 2000 NFL draft. we all seen that, the, oh, that photo images yeah. of him taking his pictures, mm-hmm. the side profile oh, and everything. Yeah. And, of course, didn't play – that. the thing that Big J and I kind of discussed is he didn't play much his first year once he came into the league. and. I could have sworn that when I was watching him and the Patriots march down against the Rams in that iconic Super Bowl in 2001 to beat the greatest show on turf, 
I thought that was his rookie year. I really did. And I was I was pleasantly surprised to see that it wasn't. They let him learn for a year under, of course, Drew Bledsoe, the guy that Mo Lewis ends up hitting uh, and knocking out of the game and bringing Brady into the ball game in 2001. But I mean that's just, that's the, that's kind of the thing with Brady though he was under the radar nobody really thought of him to be anything spectacular just like that scouting report had said and things of that nature so the fact of the matter that you know he his whole rookie season he kind of just sat learned behind Bledsoe you kind of you kind of did you kind of didn't think about it but when we first got there in two thousand one and he took over that starting role and never looked back it really did seem like that was his rookie year yeah and it's just. I was actually watching the America's Game, uh, the Super Bowl Champions 2001 documentary earlier this week just to kind of brush up on some things. And, you know, he lost the game that he went into with uh, when Bledsoe got hurt. He didn't come back and beat the Jets. And there were some struggles that season because the Mm -hmm. Patriots really were having issues. And then, of course, they were able to pull it together well enough to win the AFC East and get into the playoffs. But keep in mind, I don't know if you all remember this, but they went into Heinz Field against Cordell Stewart and the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2001, and Brady got hurt in that game, and Bledsoe had to come in and rally them to get them to the Super Bowl, and which, was a pretty yeah, amazing, which was a pretty amazing story. And nobody was really giving New England much of a chance to win that game in Pittsburgh. Of course, you had the Rams as the defending Super Bowl champions with Kurt Warner and Marshall Falk and Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt. I don't think anybody really expected New England to win that ball game in 2001. Uh, that, of course, we all remember, you know, Brady driving him down the field, 17, 17 all, and then Vinatieri gets his opportunity to kick that game winning kick. And of course, they have that iconic, we're all Patriots speech from Robert Kraft and right, right after 9 11 and all that. It was just a very, it was fascinating just to kind of see how things developed. And I was rooting for them that night. Yeah. I just remember where I was that night watching that game. And I was around a bunch of Rams fans. They yeah. weren't particularly happy. But it was a – it was. I, I definitely didn't expect at the time to see a dynasty being birthed at that moment. Right. I thought it was going to be another Trent Dilfer type thing when he led the Ravens to that title against the Giants when that – all-timer of a defense just completely obliterated the Giants. Yeah, and it's funny, too, you see you say that because the defense really really did carry the Patriots along that, that run in those first couple of years. You know, 2001, they go on to win the Super Bowl. Uh, Brady's first, you know, he, he started 15 games out of that year. Um, but he that was actually the lowest he's ever thrown the ball. He only threw the ball for 2,843 yards that whole season. Right. He had 18 touchdowns and 12 interceptions. So yeah. he wasn't like some fascinating quarterback that's going to go in and throw the ball over the yard, do things the end. He was a game manager early on in his career. It was a like balanced offense. Yeah. It was a balanced offense for sure. And But the crazy thing is, is you know he really did continue to grow as a player. And I know we'll go into a little bit more depth on this as we keep going through this. But you know, keep in mind, this guy has a 64% completion percentage for his career. He's thrown for 80,000 yards, almost 600 touchdown passes, almost 200 interceptions. But when you play this long, you're going to make mistakes. There's just no way to there's no way around that. But his 20 seasons with the Patriots were the most for one person, were for one player with one franchise in NFL history, and he's never had a losing season as a starter. That Only is a ma- fascinating stat. Unbelievable. The fact that he's never lo- had a Unbelievable. Season. And 17 AFC East titles with the Patriots. And granted, the Jets, the Dolphins, and the Bills. I'd say the Bills and the Dolphins have really struggled for quite a while. The Jets were good there for a while under Parcells. And, you know, they the Jets were not pushovers. They had a when, couple years where they made it to the AFC Championship, too. They Mark did. Sanchez. When Rex Ryan was there and the Sanchez before the butt fumble and everything else. I mean... The Jets had a really solid team for a good while, so 
it wasn't just a it wasn't just a process of New England feasting on weak teams because they had to beat the other teams on their schedule too, along with their divisional the divisional foes. So it's just kind of interesting that this playoff appearance that he had with Tampa this past year in 2020, that was the first time that he wasn't on a team that had won, you know, a division, division championship. Yeah. That was the first time he was on a wild card team and look what ended up happening. But, you know, he's the winningest he's the winningest quarterback in NFL history. He's won 231 regular season games and 34 postseason games, 265 total. I mean, Josh, you can go down this list for me if you want. I mean, it's just unbelievable some of the stuff that he's been able to accomplish. Yeah, talking about all those wins, those regular season wins, the postseasons, he also has 40 fourth-quarter comebacks and 49 game-winning drives. So it's not like he just goes out and front runs and they're always winning, always good teams. He's brought his team back a lot of times. He has nine postseason fourth-quarter comebacks. 14 postseason game-winning drives. I mean, that's incredible. Dude. Like, like, just like that scouting report said, they can, you can, they nailed it. He plays big, produces big in big-time spots. But he plays within himself. Yep. He knows what he can and can't do. He, you know, he's not a runner. Yep. I mean, how many rushing touchdowns does he have? Hey, you know what? As a matter of fact, I did pull this stat, and for his career, granted, it's a 20-year career here, over 20 years. He, I believe he has 26 total rushing touchdowns. <laughs> Everybody so loves crazy. a good QB sneak. Right, just a little good QB sneak. Yeah, he, he has 26 touchdowns and overall has average of a 1.7 yards per carry. <laughs> That's, well, no one ever called him Lamar Jackson. No one ever called him Colin Kaepernick. Michael Vick. Or Michael Vick. Like I mean, that's just not, that's not his thing. Uh, but even still, um, the fact that they were able to win back-to-back Super Bowls in 03 and 04 against the Panthers and the Eagles, he holds at nearly every major QB record, meaning like career passing yards, career attempts, career completions, career touchdown passes. The man's appeared in 10 Super Bowls and has won seven of them, as Josh mentioned. He's been the league MVP three times in 07, 2010, 2017. He's the only quarterback that will ever be able to claim it unless they change it, which I don't see that happening. He's the only quarterback to win all 16 regular season games. And that was, of course, that legendary, infamous, whatever word you want to use, that 2007 season when the Patriots just decided to stack up with... Um, Randy I'm Moss. I'm just read this out. Randy Moss, Dante Stallworth, Wes Welker. I mean, just an incredibly balanced wide receiver core. I mean, Randy was one of the most talented wide receivers to ever play the game. Wes Welker was one of, if not the best slot receiver in terms of efficiency. To he ever really play the did game. start that like slot role. I mean, he was the original, um, you know, Cooper Cup. He was the original Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, all those type players based their style off of what Wes Welker did. But and you, you got to understand where the zones are. You got to understand how to beat a man off of the line. You got to be able to just do so many different things in that position. And that offense was just unbelievable to watch. I mean, that 07 season. I'm just trying to look over here. 4,806 yards passing with 50 touchdowns and only eight picks. It's incredible. Good gracious. You know, that was the most touchdowns he's ever thrown in a full season. The next highest is 40, which he did last year with the Bucks. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. That, that's Bruce Arians' offense. It's aggressive. It's a vertical passing game. It's downfield. And, you know, if you think about the best receiving cores that Brady had in New England, even the one I just listed with Moss, Stallworth, and Welker, I mean, I'm just going to say it. What he's got in Tampa is better because yeah, you've touch. got Evans, Godwin, and um, Antonio Brown. And Antonio Brown. And I you mean, had Gronk at tight end. And you've got Scotty Miller as the fourth wideout. Yeah. And you've got O.J. Howard and Cameron Brait as backup tight ends. I mean, 
it's just insane the amount of talent that Tampa has right now, which made that loss to the Rams last week even more perplexing. But even the best teams are going to have issues when their whole secondary is out. But be that as it may, it's just absolutely nutty to see what this man has done throughout his entire career. It's obvious that you know the Patriots fans adore him, and rightfully so. I mean, he took a, quite frankly, a bottom-tier franchise that had really not done much. Yeah. They had appeared in two Super Bowls, 1985, they got crushed by the Bears. And then in 1987, they got beat by Brett Favre's Packers. Yep. So, you know, they had not crossed that threshold of winning a Super Bowl until Tom Brady got there. And, and then they go three out of four, you know, 2001, 2003, team, to, Second team to do that after the Cowboys did it in 92, 93, and 95. I mean, it's just – it's crazy to think how NFL history has evolved ever since Tom Brady has been in the league. I mean, it's a – He's had a marvelous career. I mean, you can't you can't hate on the dude. You just can't. You know, and I used to. I used to be the biggest Tom Brady hater out there. I still I system still have a little bit of it. I I think that's the main thing is he's always had a great system around him. He's always had a great defensive-minded coach to balance his offense. Arians isn't defensive oriented though. He's Arians more offensive. Not, but offensive. this is obviously one of but the best defenses But over most of his career. Yeah, but recently. over his career, yeah. But over his career. When I talk about his career, I'm mainly talking about the years that he spent in the, in New England. Right. And that, that that's the crazy thing is, you know, he he owns all these records like you just went through. He is the GOAT of achievements. Nobody will ever be able to go to 10 Super Bowls. Nobody's going to win seven out of those 10 Super Bowls and do all the things that Tom Brady has done consistently over a 22-year span. It's it's just incredible. But when you talk about as far as a GOAT quarterback at that position, checking off every marker, just like we go back to that scouting report, he didn't have the best arm. He didn't have the best height. He had a good height, you know, things of that Six nature. 6'4 is pretty tall. But that's the, that's the thing, though, is, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter about the all that stuff. It's a matter of how much heart you put into it. If you're a leader and you can adjust and you can – Build up the team around you because that's the one thing that I take away from Tom Brady the most is that you know, everywhere he's been, he's a winner, and that's just the bottom line. And he makes everyone else believe, and that's that that is something that a true team leader can do. And we have seen it based off of his career. And not to mention when he went to Tampa and was able to change the culture of the Bucks after that thirty interception season by Winston, he comes in and replaces him. And, and everybody Bowl. and Big J had told me. Years prior, I can still remember we were over at a at a place in East Plano watching the Bucks game, and we were watching them play Seattle, and they got up, and then they ended up losing that ball game because of turnovers by Winston. And all Big Jay could say was, "My gosh, if we just had a quarterback that could take care of the football, this roster has the makings of a really good team." And just like we discussed when we did the Bucks comparison from you know 2002 to, to now, you know from this past season. I mean, that's been proven correct. I mean, Licht did a really nice job of building out that roster, and Brady's intangibles are what separate him. His they mind really are. and his work ethic. And the way he takes care of his body. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that man could write novels, he, books. I think he has. I'm, I think, I I think be, he has his own like. Well, him and Dan Guerrero, his yeah. fitness guru, or, or Alex Guerrero, I think is his name. I mean, just crazy Absolutely crazy to see. And, of course, now they got the Subway commercials about him, like, talking about sandwiches. And they're like, but you don't eat bread. <laughs> it's just funny. But the, the man, there's there, there, what else can you say? I mean, I, I'm really looking forward to this ball game this weekend in New England. It's going to be 
It's going to be awesome to see the reception that he gets from Patriots fans. And I bet you maybe there will be a smattering, tiny, tiny smattering of booze just because people are just bitter that he I left. just don't even know if that's the case. I just think it's going to be a massive ended? ovation because he won them six Super Bowls yeah. when they had won zilch so, in, their season, in the team's history. I completely agree. And like I said, the main thing that I want to talk about, we talk about Iron Man, things like that, like Brett Favre, how long he played it, not getting major injuries, things like that. Brady had the one year where he got majorly hurt. And he missed 2008. Yep. 2008. He played that first game, was out the rest of the year. Yeah, he got hurt against Kansas City. And after that, he only throughout his whole career after following, he's only missed four games. Four games following that career. And at the age that he's doing it and everything of that nature, the high level that he brings to the game. So he's it, Gumby? It is incredible. It is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we can just end it on this. If you haven't taken time to do a little bit of research, we've done it for you. Uh, but really, if, if you have the time to turn on that ball game, Tampa at New England this weekend, I can promise you that's going to be worth your while because you'll be witnessing sports history. Sunday night. It's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. But, again, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen today. We, of course, really appreciate your support in every way and every form or fashion. We're so glad that we're able to bring this content to you. And um, I've been trying to come up with a nickname for our listeners, Josh. And I'm kind of wondering if um, – would History Buffs be too be – too, uh, be too much or should we just call them the buffs the buffs <laughs> i don't know we might have to take a poll on this one take a right poll on that one. well think about it like you know you've got different radio stations that talk about like their i know the ticket has always done like uh the p1s, the P1s over here yeah. in this market so if we can call ours the buffs because a lot of our stuff is history focused with you know trying to keep up with current events as well and kind of see into the future to a certain extent with the draft and all that once that comes comes up a bit more but yeah I think calling calling our listeners the buffs would be kind of fun. So for all our buffs out there, we really appreciate you guys listening. And um, excuse Big J's frog voice. And uh, we will see you in the next episode. So thank you all for listening. Check into the next episode. We're going to talk week four picks and go from there, guys.